you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's a great joy to be here, and it's a wonderful time to be able to honor our mothers and dedicate our children to God. And I, I was thinking about this in light of the baby dedication. I, I, we're stepping away from the Luke series just for today. Because this is, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a wonderful passage on impacting the next generation. Now, you say, boy, I can get out of this one, Doug, because I'm not a mother or a father, so I don't have to worry about that. Oh, no. There's no wiggle room on this one, is there? You say, I'm single, and I'm in my 30s. You know what? There's always another generation to impact, isn't there? So the bottom line is, as we talk through this, although the primary application goes to mothers and fathers, it actually extends out to each one of us. You know, one of the things that's really struck me as kind of interesting, I was reading through Romans the other day. We got to Romans 16, and Paul's talking about all these people at Rome that he really appreciates. And he identifies one woman, and he says, that's my mother. She wasn't his actual mother, but she was like a mother to him. She's kind of like Betty is to us, you know, often here at the chapel, you know. There's just mother figures. So here's the bottom line. I don't care who you are. If you're breathing, you can impact the next generation. You see? But it begs the question, what's the best way to do that? And I want to discuss with you three steps that you can't get backwards You have to follow them as steps for impacting the next generation. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I will look at verse 4. Victor had mentioned it here in his prayer, but let me read it again. Here's the first step. The first step is to love God supremely. Listen to what the text says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How many gods are there? There's only one. Now, there's all kinds of competitors that think there's gods. But at the end of the day, the Lord, our God, the one we know because of Jesus Christ, the Lord, our God, is one. He's it. Okay? You shall love the Lord your God with 25% of your heart. Is that what it says? No. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your might. Folks, there's nothing left. Here is the one and true God. There is no other. And Moses says, you need to love him supremely. Above everything else. Everything inside of you. Say, well, I'm I'm intellectual. Yeah, love him intellectually. I'm emotional. Love him emotionally. Love him with everything you are. I was thinking about this, and um, one of the things that came to my mind was, Tim mentioned it briefly when he was talking about the dedication. We, we live in a world that says, if you're really going to impact the next generation, what you got to do is you got to put bring all your attention on them and be child-centered. I mean, there's a lot of people in our world that say that, give them everything they want, and that'll really be good for them. How good is that for a child? It's devastating. This text, on the other hand, says, the best thing I can do for my children is not love my children supremely, but to love my God supremely. 
You know, over in Luke chapter 14, we haven't gotten there yet in our study. But Luke uses a really strong term. He's talking about um, discipleship. As a matter of fact, let me just read it to you, and then, then I'll qualify it. Don't, don't walk out on me. I didn't say it. Luke did. Uh, Jesus did through Luke. But in Luke chapter 14, the Bible says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Does that seem a little bit over the top? Hate? Are you kidding me? We just did a baby dedication today from the Bible. Like the Bible talks about honor and love and obedience. What's this all about? This in no way is discounting the importance of children obeying their parents and honoring their parents. That's not the issue. What this text is saying at the end of the day, if there was ever a point in my life when what God says and what anybody else says are different, you don't like, it's not, when it says hate here, it's not emotional. It's, 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 you can put in the word reject. It means you will always reject that and you will always go with God. You know the best thing I can do for my wife? is to love God more than I love my wife. Best thing I can do for my kids is to love God more than I love my kids because that's what they need. Otherwise, I will be telling them, the world's about you. I don't want it to be about them. I want them to know it's about God. You know what it's like as a parent, don't you? Dad, please, pretty please, please. please. You know, kids, kids are really good at this stuff. And when you know it goes against what God wants, with all your heart in a loving way, you got to say no. If I'm going to impact the next generation, if you're going to impact the next generation, it always starts with loving God supremely. That's where it's got to begin. And then secondly, not only love God supremely, but know God's word personally. Notice what verse 6 says. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. The text says, look, how am I ever going to impact them? They've got all kinds of influences coming at them from all over the place, the media. It's just, it's overwhelming at times. If I'm going to really help my children or help anybody else in the church, it must mean at the core of my heart, I love God above everything else. But then I have nothing to give them if I don't have God's word in my heart. How am I going to give them advice on wisdom living if I don't know what God says? Do you see? Spurgeon used to say that if you cut a believer, they ought to bleed Bible. And that doesn't mean that you can remember all the kings of the ten, uh, uh, of the ten tribes. That's not a bad thing. We teach them in Sunday school. Okay, fair enough. But folks, you've got to know the story of the scripture. You've got to know where it starts through creation and the fall and how God is about redeeming and ultimately sends his son, gives us of his spirit, gives us his church, and is coming back one day. You at least got to know that, don't you? And then from that big story, what you do is you just keep filling in the spot pieces and you expand them and you expand them more and more so if someone says hey why do you believe this you're ready to talk to them about it this 
is God's great love letter to us. Meditate on it. Meditation, um, it's, you remember the old jawbreakers? Do you remember those? Do they have them still? I don't know. I wouldn't get near them with my teeth. (laughs) Cracker Barrel has them? Well, are you speaking from experience? Okay, okay. But you know, the old, you know the old jawbreakers? You flip it in your mouth, and it takes you 30 minutes to get through that thing, doesn't it? You know, you're, right? Isn't that true? Then again, on the other hand, if I flip a Cheerio into my mouth, how quickly is that going? Like that. Meditation is like eating a jawbreaker, not a Cheerio. You know? Well, you take God's word in, you read a passage, maybe you write it down on a piece of paper, you carry it around with you, and you mull over it like a jawbreaker. Huh. Hmm. I wonder what that means in my life today. Huh? How can I share that with somebody else? I mean, honestly, folks. But isn't that the way it's supposed to be? God says, look, I want you to love God supremely. You know what? If you don't start there with raising your children or impacting the next generation, you'll be nothing but a hypocrite. Your kids will see through everything else you do when you smile at church. It'll mean nothing because they know you. And so he says, love God supremely. And then secondly, know his word personally. And if you fail there, your kids could believe anything. You are responsible to know God through his word. And then thirdly, you say, hey, this is going pretty good. here. only has three points. Yeah, but the third one's a little bit longer. So just don't get too happy. I'm moving, but don't get too happy. Talk of God constantly. And in this section, I want to talk to you about how you can do that, when you should do that, And what it is that you should ultimately say. First of all, how should you talk of God constantly? Look at verse 6 in the passage. I'm verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. Folks, if I say you got to do it when you lie down and when you rise. You know what I'm saying? Everything in between too. Do you see? And when I think of verse 7, and when I think about talking of God constantly, what I notice here in this text, it means you do it, you both take opportunities and you make opportunities. In verse 7, you take opportunities. It's, it's the unstructured kind of teaching that we try to do through, through the day. I don't know about you. Um, we'll talk about structure too. Um, I know some folks that think that impacting their children means they have family devotions at night where they read the text of Scripture and then they're done. At best, that is only the beginning. And frankly, where you will have your greatest impact on your children is in the unstructured teaching times. You get up in the morning and you say, God... Give me opportunities to minister to my children throughout the day. I I don't know what you're going to bring in. When a problem comes, Lord, help me see that as another opportunity to know you and share that with my kids. I don't know about you, but, you know, if I hop into the car and the battery doesn't start, my first inkling isn't, oh, God, thank you. 
what a great opportunity God's given me today, right now, to talk with my children about trusting him and trying to figure out how we're going to get to this place now and, and just all the complications. Oh, God, thank you. Is that what you think? I don't think that way. But when those things come on us, they are divine opportunities that I can lose. My children were really growing up younger. I used to teach them different things to try to get to the heart. And I would say when they had a problem with one of their brothers or sisters, I'd say, now, what happened? And they would tell me, well, he said this. And, okay, what did you do? Well, I, I hit him back. Okay, okay, okay. Why did you do it? Well, because I was mad at him and it was mine. And, okay, okay, okay. And, and what is it that you should have done? You know, I ask a whole series of questions. Try to get at the heart. Why do you do what you do? And, and so forth. My kids are smart. I'm driving down the van one day. Some guy cuts right in front of me. And my daughter from the back says, how you feeling right now, Dad? <laughs> Dad, what did you do? Dad, what should you have done? Dad, why did you do what you did? And you know, I want to say, shut up. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Okay, I did, I did, I did. I did. But I thought, why? Maybe she's learning something. But isn't it the truth? Those simple kinds of things God brings into our life to say, look, if I'm real, I'm real always. Let me be real in this moment and use this as an, as an overflow where you impact your children by what you're experiencing. So talk of God constantly. Good times, bad times. We have sweet times, don't you? I was sitting behind uh, Tom and Cindy looking at their seven children. We have six. And I was reminiscing back, Tom. Remind, remembering the time when, you know, just, all these preschoolers kind of going right on up. And, you know, man, sometimes you're just flipping diapers around and making sure, you know, naps are taken. You know, am I right? I mean, you're just like, you just, I, I, hey, if you're like me, I know, I know what it's like. And, and so I prayed for you, actually, in that moment. Um, <laughs> but I also remembered those wonderful times where you're putting your child to bed and they can ask you the most profound questions. And that's coming. That's coming, for, that's coming for all of our children, isn't it? And, and so, so God says, I want you to take opportunities when they come. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, say, God, today, grant me opportunities to know you better and to share that with my children. It's a wonderful prayer. Both in unstructured times and in structured times here in verse 8 and 9, because he says this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So not only are you taking opportunities, you're making opportunities. You put that sign right on the front of the door so when people walk in, this house is God's house. I mean, you make it like really, really clear. Do you see? And so is there a place for family devotions? Yes. The only thing I would say is this, folks. Don't live in guilt because you don't do family devotions every single night at 6 o'clock. Start somewhere and grow is my best advice to you. Use unstructured and structured times to pull people together. And it changes. When my kids were really young, I had to use one approach. When they get older, I can use a different approach. Isn't it true? I mean, it's not easy. You're always trying to do different kinds of things, looking for structured times. One time, 
my kids were young. Put them all on the top of the steps. I sat, sat, sat at the bottom, because you can do Bible trades, you can do all kinds of fun things. And I said, okay, you guys have to get to me without touching the steps. Yeah, that could have been a huge problem, I guess, too. That, that's actually a very good. Maybe you shouldn't try this at home. Okay, that's actually, that might be a good, because they'll jump the whole way. Th- these are really huge steps. That would have been a hard jump. Man, they th- I said, there's an easy way to do it. They said, really? Yeah, but they thought. And one of my kids said, Dad, how about if you get up, come up here, we'll get on your shoulders, and you can walk us down. I said, you're right. And I shared the gospel with him. Right? We couldn't do it on our own. It had to be God and God alone that could do those things. How do we do it? How do we talk of God constantly? We get up in the morning and we say, God, Help me to take every opportunity you give me. And I'm also going to make some opportunities along the way. And don't be surprised what God does over the long run. When should we do it? I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to read through it. But if I read from verses 10 all the way down to verse 19, he talks about when we should be doing this. And the bottom line is this is, in this particular passage, he says, the tendency is this. You will go into a land that you have not done anything in and you will eat of fruit that you didn't actually plant and you will live in houses that you didn't build. And the tendency is this. When life is going good, God is often forgotten. Is that not true? I mean, give me a crisis. Man, I'm praying like the Dickens. Let my life be really comfortable. And I'm thinking I can maybe do it on my own. That's the tendency. And he says in this passage, be very, 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 very careful. You know what I tend to do? I have to watch it with my kids when they were younger. The grandparents would come over for Christmas. They'd give the children a gift, and they'd open the gift up, and oh, such a fun gift. And the kids running off to play with that gift, and I had to go, Go tell grandmom and grandpa, thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you, grandmom and grandpa. Going again, right? I mean, you know what happens? And then I thought of me. God gives me one blessing after another blessing, whether it's health or employment or relationships, a whole series of things. And sometimes I forget the giver of the gift. And I just enjoy the gift. And Moses says, be careful. When God heaps gifts upon you, you will tend to forget him. Lastly, what is it that we should say to our children? Look very quickly at verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Dad, why do we got to do all these things? One rule after another rule. Can't do this, have to do that. It can feel that way sometimes, right? Then you shall say to your son, stiff upper lip. Is that what it says? No. No. What's he say? Then you shall say to your son, 
We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all the household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. You know what he says? When your children come to you and say, Dad, why do we have to do all these things? He says, don't start with the things. Start with the story. And the story, when you turned around in the Old Testament era and looked back, the one event you looked at again and again and again was deliverance from Egypt. Where people who were enslaved that had no hope were freed by the mighty hand of God. And you just filled their hearts with the story of our deliverance. And then all the commandments are about loving and honoring this great God who has loved us. Do you see? What do we do as New Testament believers? Do we look back to the Passover? No, we look back to the fulfillment of the Passover. And what we look back to again and again, as we sang this morning, is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that he's coming back again. And what I want to communicate to my children is Christianity is not a bunch of rules where you do this and don't do this. If you're Buddhist, you do this and don't do this. If you're Muslim, you do this and you don't do this. In Christianity, you do this and you don't do this. No. Do you know, if the Buddha never existed, it wouldn't make any difference to you if you were a Buddhist. You just go right on. It doesn't matter. But if the Christ event never happened, we are dead in our sins. And so you tell them the story of a God who has loved us and sent his son so that Doug Finkbeiner, who is enslaved, could be freed if he would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who has died for us on the cross. And how do I know that's going to happen? Because he resurrected from the grave, he's ascended, and he's coming back one day. Man, that is our story, folks. And what I want the next generation, you know what I want of these, these beautiful young ladies on this front row here? Next generation, you, you know? Here it is. We want them to rise up and love Jesus because they know his story and what he's done. And we want them then, their, their life becomes an overflow of love to the one who has loved them. I mean, that's how it works, folks. And in this passage, he says, look, 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 look. But you're going to impact the next generation. You've got to love God supremely. You've you got to know his word personally. And you've got to talk about him all the time. Yeah, Unstructured times and structured times. Yeah, good and bad, all the whole thing. And when you share the story, you frame the commandments within the context of a story that moves from the cross to consummation. Because that's our story. And honestly, if you're here today, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you can't impact the next generation the way God wants you to. 
You've got to believe that story. You've got to get part of that story. You can become part of that story by falling down before the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I want you, I want to become a forgiven follower of Christ. And you do, you become one. And that's your story that now you can share and impact and have an impact in the life of others, folks. That's what it's about. So if you don't know Christ, come. And if you do, love him, know him, and talk of him. Father,